Welcome to Walking by Faith. We pray that today's message helps renew your mind and encourage you to speak words of life, love, and hope. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on our app. For more content, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to like and subscribe. Today, Pastor Joanne will be bringing a great message on the basic instructions before leaving Earth. The Bible may have been written 2,000 years ago, but what many people don't realize is that it's full of some very practical skills that we need in order to live a life that's successful and fulfilling. Let's see what Pastor says these skills are and how to apply them to our lives. So today I want to talk to you from the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. And I've just kind of entitled this Skills, Attitudes, and Mindsets. Skills, Attitudes, and Mindsets. In Ecclesiastes 10, it says, If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. Wisdom brings success. You know, if, if we were to look back 2,000 years ago at what life was like and look at life today, there's a lot of things that have changed. But the skills that are needed for success in life really have not changed. When it comes to your attitudes, to your mindsets, and so many of the skills are still the same. So the, the uh, church in Philippi was literally the first church that uh, the Apostle Paul started in Europe on his second missionary journey. This is a church that was dear to his heart. Not only was the first church, it was uh, the only church that supported him financially as he went out on missionary journeys. And when he writes this letter, he is in prison. Now, he's been in prison for quite a while. Uh, two years, uh, he was in prison under Felix. Then they put him on a ship and sent him to Rome to stand before the emperor. And he's been in Rome for a while now. And he's most likely going to be executed. So that's kind of the mindset that, that he's got. Where is he coming from, right? So in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, I implore Yodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help those women who labor with me in the gospel. With Clement, um, he's referred to other places as Clement of Rome. Uh, many people believe he's actually the author of the book of Hebrews. And the rest of my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So these women are laboring with the Apostle Paul in the gospel. But they have got a disagreement. Paul says, they need, you, you need to tell them to be of the same mind. So I want to talk to you for just a couple minutes about your relationship skills. I, I think it's interesting. My, my assistant, uh, she typed it up wrong, and she put relationship kills instead of kills. Well, do you know what? When, when you don't have your relationship skills right, it kills relationships. It really does. All right. So we could call these people skills. But what we find here is we have two leaders, right? And these leaders have got issues with each other. And, and the apostle Paul comes and he says, now, look, you make sure that they're of the same mind. You know, we need to be able to get along with people and literally help other people get along with people. How I many you know, dads, you need to do that in your house. 
Uh, sometimes it's forgiving. Sometimes it's seeing from another person's perspective. But you literally cannot grow relationships when there's strife. You can't do it. No matter how gifted you are, it will limit your impact. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it needs to affect the relationship that you have with other people. So he's telling them they need to be of the same mind. They need to be focusing on the same thing. They need to be going in the same direction. Listen, strength is found in unity. Danger is found with their strife. Now, he says you be of the same mind. Now, this is especially true because when, when two leaders are opposing each other, listen, everybody has to choose sides. And it is so true in your home. When mom and dad are not in agreement, you know what happens? It divides the family. And it's so important that we be of the same mind. So in Genesis 11 and verse 16, and the Lord said, and did the people are one, they have one language, and this that they have begun to do, now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. I'm not saying where there's unity, you get things done, right? In Psalms 133, it talks about unity, and it says, there the Lord commands the blessing. There is actually a spiritual blessing that comes when we're in unity. Uh, I, I, I've read this in a couple different places, but there, there is a, it is a true story about a competition with some Clydesdale horses. But they're having a contest to see which one can pull the most. The winner was able to pull 8,000 pounds on a special built sled. The, the second place winner pulled 7,000 pounds. So they decided to put them together and see what they would be able to pull. Well, I thought, well, logically, they're going to pull 15,000 pounds. But when they put the two together, get this, the two together, working together, could pull 33,000 pounds. Do you know there is, there is something, a synergy, when we begin to work with other people, whether it's in your home whether it's where your job is, whether it's at school, there is just a synergy that begins to take place when there is unity. Um, the Bible tells us that Abraham is literally called the father of our faith. And we're told to imitate the faith of Abraham, right? To, to follow his faith. So the Bible tells this story about Abraham and his nephew Lot. Abraham comes to Lot and he says, please, let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brethren. Now, now, by the way, when there is strife, listen, the greater person always takes the first step to deal with that situation of strife. And that's why Abraham takes this, 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 the initiative. Now, Lot is just with him, and literally Lot is being blessed because he's with Abraham. Um, Jeannie and I read a book, and I may talk about this in a few minutes, uh, in the last month where they called this people luck, right? You just get with the right people, and things go right. But by the way, if you get with the wrong people, the exact opposite happens, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Abraham, 
is being blessed by God. He's got a covenant with God. And Lot is being blessed just because he's there. So he says to him, the whole land is before you. Please separate from me. And if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered every footwear before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Sora. Then Lot chose for himself the plain of the Jordan, and he journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. And Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And literally what happens is Lot chooses this beautiful valley, and Abraham goes out in the desert. Now, this is what the Bible says. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, he said, now lift up your eyes, and everything you see, I'm giving it to you. So first of all, Abraham avoided strife. He recognized that where there's no strife, there's blessing. And at this, in, in this particular case, he literally had to separate from somebody. And that often is the case. But I want to say this. When it comes to your family, you always extend grace. Right? You always extend grace. Just look at the story Jesus tells of the prodigal son. Now, the prodigal left... But the father in his heart was always willing to receive him back and help him. Now, the prodigal had to do some changing, right? But the, the father had that heart. Now, in Proverbs 6 and 23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. The reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from. Now, it mentions here the evil woman. How many of you know there's some evil men? How many of you know there's some stupid men? And there's some stupid women, right? There's not everybody. Do, do you realize what this is saying? It's saying that, that literally the word of God will give you the wisdom to know to get away from some people, right? And at the same time, just like if Satan wants to attack you, one of the things that he'll do is bring somebody into your life to bring compromise. And when God wants to bless you, you know what God's going to do? He's going to bring somebody into your life who's going to encourage you in the Lord and help you grow stronger in the Lord. Jonathan was that person to David. As David's hiding in the wilderness, the Bible says Jonathan went and found him and encouraged him in the Lord. You know, you need people that are going to encourage you in the Lord. I think it's real interesting that uh, when they're building the, the temple and they're putting together all of the, the garments that the priest is going to wear, that on the bottom of the garment, there's 50 bells and there's 50 pomegranates. 50 bells, 50 pomegranates. Now, I believe that that bell is talking really about the power of God or the gifts of the Spirit of God. You know, Paul said, though I speak with the men of tongues and men of tongues and of angels, if I have not love, I become a clanging brass or a cymbal. He's saying, you know, you're just making noise. Well, that's what that bell did. It made noise, right? But then there was the pomegranate, which represents the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace. And we need the fruit of the Spirit, but we also need the power of the Spirit. We need both of them. In fact, in that, in that same tabernacle, we have the Ark of the Covenant. I think we've actually got a picture of what that Ark looked like, right? So the, the, the presence of God, God said, I'm going to meet with you right on top of that ark, that lid under the angel's wings. That was God's tangible presence. 
And that, that uh, cover was covered with blood. Every year, the priest would go in and sprinkle that thing with blood. And up on top, you've got the two angels with their wings extended, and their wings touch each other. They touch each other. And really what it represents is that when you and I are under the blood and we're in God's presence, we have unity. If we walk in the light like he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We can, we, we, we can touch other people. We can live our life. And it's not going to produce the strife that we find in the world. So first of all, we notice that he tells us we need relationship skills. But in the fourth verse, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. So he's talking here and he's talking what I would call emotional skills, emotional skills. A lot of times, particularly in our day, people let their emotions, they let their feelings set the direction of their life. And Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus said, do not let your feelings dictate the direction of your life. And notice he said, don't let those feelings. Now, not that you're not going to have feelings because you can have some feelings, right? But you don't let those feelings give the direction of your life. Listen, if I feel like I'm a girl, I am not a girl. Right? Listen, uh, listen, and this is not to be, listen, a thousand years from today, if I'm dead and Jesus hasn't come back and they pull up my bones, they are just going to look at those bones and they're going to find one cell and they're going to go, oh, he was a boy. You, you can drug me. You can cut me. You can put something in me. You can do whatever you want to do, but it's not going to change the facts. It's not going to change the facts. And we live in a society where if I feel, I feel, I feel in direct in your feelings are directing your life. Look, that is not the way the Bible tells you to live. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled, right? And, and he says, that you rejoice, like let the joy of the Lord. In fact, the foundational emotion of Christianity is joy. That is the foundational emotion. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. Philippians 1.25, Paul says, the joy of faith. You know what? When you're in faith, you have got joy. When you're in faith, you are not depressed, right? You don't let stress direct your life. You do not let your heart be troubled. So it's not just what you have. By the way, what you have is eternal life, a relationship with God, but it's who you have. Who do you have? You are in Christ. And you want to know how to identify yourself? This is what the apostle Paul said. He said, I know a man in Christ. When he looked at himself, he said, the thing that makes me who I am is my identity, my union with Christ. And if you want to find out who you are, the only place you're going to find out who you are 
is in the word of God because you are in Christ. You are who God says you are. You can have what God says you can have, and you can do what God says that you can do. Second Corinthians 4.1. Therefore, since we have this ministry and have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Other translations say it like this. We do not get discouraged. Now, here's Paul. Remember, he was in prison under Felix for two years. Then they put him on a boat. He goes through a hurricane, shipwrecked, snake bit, finally gets to Rome, and he's waiting to see the emperor who is going to condemn him to death. Right? And you know what he says? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. He said, we do not get discouraged. Listen, this is going to be this. The worst thing that can happen to you, if you are a Christian, you die, you go to heaven. That is the worst thing that could happen to you. Now, I know we sing about heaven, you know, one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. You see the doctor, he says, you have cancer, you're going to die. Ah! You ought to kiss him. If I get healed, praise the Lord. If I don't, praise the Lord. You're on your way to heaven. That is the worst thing that could happen to you. Now, listen, this is what the apostle Paul said. He said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen, they are eternal. They're the spiritual things. He said, we are focused not on the things of this world, but we're focused on spiritual things. But notice he calls it light affliction. So I thought, well, what light afflictions he's talking about? Second Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I speak as a fool. I am more labors, more abundant in stripes beyond measure in prison, more frequently in death. Often from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. By the way, that was when they would take your sandals off, beat the bottoms of your feet until they broke bones. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Our light affliction. Our light affliction. How many of you have been whipped five times? None of us. 195 stripes, beaten with rods, in prison, stoned and left for dead. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. So what does he say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 16 times in this short little letter, he talks about rejoicing. That joy, it is the foundational emotion in the kingdom of God. Therefore, let, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. 
So what's he saying? He's saying the sacrifice of praise. Not when you feel like it. How many know in church when everybody's praising the Lord, it's easy? But how about when you're going through that light affliction? At the same time. Now, listen, you can act your way into feelings. And it's really hard to feel your way into acting when you've got the opposite feeling. But you begin to do what you should do. You begin to be thankful to his name. And the Bible says it this way in Isaiah, that there is an exchange that takes place. It says you put on the garment of praise or thanksgiving instead of, right? Instead of the spirit of depression. See, you cannot stay depressed and be thankful. You begin to be thankful and there is an exchange that takes place. And that garment of praise causes that spirit of heaviness or depression to literally go. It says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Well, in a minute, we're going to get to talking about our meditation skills. Right? But listen, I want to say this right now. You cannot be constantly listening to the 10 Spies negative news network right? and, and keep your emotions the way that they should be. Right? CNN, constant negative news will not help you. If you're, going to, if you're going to have his perfect peace, it says you've got to keep your mind on him. Keep your mind on him, right? And when you keep your mind on him, on his promises, on who he is, on your relationship with him, when you're looking not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, because those things that you see are temporary, they're subject to change, but the things that are not seen, the spiritual things, they are eternal. When you get your focus right, right, then the joy of the Lord is just going to be there. It is just going to be there. All right. In the fifth verse, he says, let your moderation be known to all men because the Lord's at hand. He's talking here about our discipline skills. Somebody, listen, look this way. You have got to be able to say no to yourself. You have got to be able to say no to yourself. And when he's talking about our discipline skills here, he's literally talking about leading ourselves. I can't remember who it is, but somebody said this. They, they said, all my major problems in life, are, are, there's one person that's responsible, and it's me. So you've got to be able to, to say no to yourself. And you've got to be able to encourage yourself, lead yourself. You know, the Bible talks about David. He's come back to his city of Zegleg. And as they come over the hill, he sees this ominous sight. Smoke coming up. The city is burned. The Bible tells us that every man's family was taken and all of their goods were taken. And the people, they, they literally, they, they sit down and they weep until they have no more strength to weep. And then this is what they said. Let's stone David. How many of you know that when things are really bad, it's a really bad time to make decisions because you want to blame somebody, right? And they're, they're just saying, well, let's just blame David, right? So they're going to stone David. And this is what the Bible says. He encouraged himself in the Lord. 
He encouraged himself in the Lord. It's great when we've got a friend that's going to help encourage us. But there's sometimes when you just got to do it yourself. You've got to be disciplined enough to encourage yourself. He goes and he goes after God and he gets a word from God. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27, the lazy man doesn't roast what he takes, honey, but diligence is a man's precious possession. Listen, diligence is a man, woman's, young person's precious possession, right? And diligence, discipline, it has to do with talking to yourself and making yourself do the right thing. Telling yourself this is what we're going to do and telling yourself this is not what we're going to do. I'm I'm sure almost everyone here has been on an airplane. You get in there and the steward or the stewardess gets up and they say, in case of emergency, the mask is going to come out of the ceiling. Put your own mask on first, all right, and then put the mask on your child or somebody you're traveling with, right? Why? Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't help anybody else. And the same thing is true spiritually. If you've got to be able to discipline yourself, you've got to be able to say no to yourself, right? And if you're undisciplined, you are unfollowable, right? And discipline, listen, it is the gift you give yourself. It is the gift that you give yourself. Again, it's a decision. It's not a feeling. Then he goes on in the sixth chapter, and he talks about prayer skills. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Every one of us, we're going to need a supply from heaven. You're going to need a supply of wisdom, of patience, of vision, of joy, of peace, and you've got to stay connected to God. Right? Um, one of my heroes in the faith is a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, Swift literally had revival on every inhabited continent. He's referred to as the apostle of faith. But he was asked about prayer. And he says, they said to Smith, Smith, do you pray for hours and hours at a time? And this was his statement. He said, I seldom pray a half an hour. He said, but I seldom ever have a half an hour I don't pray. In other words, what he's saying, he's saying, I just live in constant relationship with God. You remember Genesis 5? It said that Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. It says about Noah that he walked with God, right? And that's what you and I are supposed to do. We're supposed to walk with God. Uh, It's not uncommon for me to call Janie two or three times during the day. Hey, babe, what's up? What you doing? When are we going to do this? What are we going to do that? Do you know why? Because we're in relationship with each other. And when you're in relationship with God, it's not something that's just a 30-minute period every day, right? It's your your life, right? We walk and we walk with God. And and, and I love that. Uh, I just want to hit one more thing, and it's your meditation skills. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, meditate on these things. So literally what he's saying, he's saying, you need to control your thought life. I know people who think, well, I just, you know, whatever comes into my mind, I just think about it. Well, you're a mess. 
you're a mess. And, and really, I think we can compare this. Somebody said it this way. He said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. There are going to be thoughts that are going to try to bombard your mind, all right? But you don't receive them. You reject those thoughts. You've got to control your thought life. There has to be filters. And he gives us filters right here. True, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, anything that's virtuous, anything praiseworthy. He said, let those be your filter. And again, you cannot be listening to the 10 Spies negative news network, right, and soaking all of that in, right, and have the joy of the Lord and have the peace of God. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on, on him. So Paul is telling us, look, you've got to have filters. Again, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. That's him you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, and you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. He's telling us the same thing. He says, you need to control what you're thinking about. So you've got to be putting the right stuff in. Got that? You can't put the wrong stuff in and be thinking about the right stuff. You've got to put the right stuff in. So 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. There's a lot of crazy things that go under the name of spiritual warfare, people doing crazy stuff. Um, I actually heard how 20,000 Christians went to Ephesus, went to the city of Ephesus, one of the places that Paul preached where the temple of Diana was. And they went to pull down the stronghold of Diana. 20,000 Christians. They told them, do not witness to anybody. We're just here to pray. Now, Paul went and dealt with Diana. And you know what he did, how he did it? He preached. He brought forth the truth. But 20,000 Christians went there so they could pull down the stronghold of Diana. Look, Paul pulled the thing down 2,000 years ago. And the way that he did it was with the power of the gospel. That's how he did it. And, and people are talking about, well, you know, to do spiritual warfare. There's people, they, they actually rent airplanes and go up in the air so they can be high and pull down principalities and powers. That is crazy. All right? There is no distance in the spirit. You don't need to be on the top of a hill or in an airplane. But it's telling us here what true spiritual warfare is. And let me just say this. It's between your ears. It's your stinking thinking. That is where spiritual warfare takes place. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. It's not an AK-47 or a nuclear bomb. But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And he's going to describe them. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Don't let your mind just go crazy, right? He says, you need to have meditation skills. You need to know what you're going to be thinking about. And if you will keep your focus, your mind stayed on him, the Bible says he will give you perfect peace perfect peace. Because no matter what goes on in this world, right, 
There is another kingdom, and that's the kingdom of God, right? And the Bible says that in the end, that kingdom is like a stone that hits every other kingdom and totally destroys it. It fills the earth, and it will not be left to another people. In other words, you're a part of that kingdom. You're going to be a part of that kingdom today and forever. So if you've been watching the program today, but inside you're like, you know, I'm not where I should be with God. I need forgiveness. I need to get right with God. I'm away from the Lord. I, would, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. But also, if you're watching, but you don't know where you stand with God. If I'd say, are you a Christian? You'd say, well, I'm trying to be. I hope I am. But the Bible says, know that you have everlasting life. You're supposed to know that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. And if you don't know that for sure, you're not where you should be with God. And I want to invite you also to pray. Right? You're away from God. You don't know where you stand with God. I want you to pray this prayer with me from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom, on my way to heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer. And you are forgiven and right with God. You need, this is the first step into the kingdom of God. Now, you need to keep growing spiritually. So I wrote a small book to help you keep growing spiritually, full of bullet points to help you in your walk with God. Now, we want to give it to you free of charge. You can download an electronic copy, or if you'll contact us, we will send you a hard copy. All the information is right there on your screen. And I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you. God bless and have a great day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You're making one of the best decisions of your life. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives, and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empowers them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He'll pour out His blessing upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBF GIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE, visit walkingbyfaith.tv give, or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. Thanks for watching. We'd love to get to know you better. By scanning this QR code, you can download our app, send a prayer request, read our weekly devotional, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We want to encourage you to study the Bible and learn more about these skills. We believe that this will help you live a life that's successful and fulfilling. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.